And one of two options is going to happen. One, we're either going to let those spots sit vacant, or two, our generation is going to step up and we're going to move forward with the visions and the dreams that God's given us as the future of the church. And so with that kind of opening and that kind of introduction to like where my heart was at when I wrote this sermon, um, I want you guys to notice the piece of paper that, um, that Quinn pointed out to you earlier. I want you guys to notice it. At the top of it, there's a question that says, how will they know? How will they know? The question um, kind of expanded upon a little bit just, just means how will our generation or how will the generation after us, how will they come to know what Jesus did for this world? How will they come to know the good that the church has done for humanity in this world? Or better yet, what God has done for humanity? How will that next generation know? Four words, one question that I hope absolutely shapes and rocks the direction of where we're heading, not only tonight, but as a generation, as a generation of young believers. We'll start tonight with a story. Friday night, I had the immense honor to go to uh, a funeral of one of our members. Um, his, name was, his name was Bob Paz, Dr. Paz. Dr. Paz was a, um, a, a professor at NMSU, and he was a former church elder and former church pastor, and most importantly, he was a Jesus follower. And so I know most of you in the room probably didn't know who Dr. Paz was, but this man was a brilliant, brilliant man. He has YouTube um, videos with thousands of thousands of followers for his, uh, his work that he done, he, he's done in the engineering field. I mean, he's just an amazing intellect, and he accomplished a lot of things in his life. But his funeral was anything but a list of accomplishments. It was, it, it was nothing about the things he accomplished in his life, and that's kind of how he wanted it. You see, Dr. Paz had been, um, this was his second bout with leukemia, his second time around they got leukemia. And so he was, um, in, in the past month, he's really started to deteriorate to where he knew he was about to pass. And so Dr. Paz had this kind of strange, unique, but altogether awesome experience where he had the opportunity to start saying goodbye to people. He said goodbye to his wife. He said goodbye to his, daughter, to his, son, to his two sons that are my age. He said goodbye to friends and families that are around him. He also had this unique opportunity to ask the guy who he wanted to perform his funeral, to officiate the funeral. Kind of, a, kind of a weird request. But also, he got to tell him what the outline of the funeral, like how he wanted to be remembered, what he wanted to do, what he wanted people to remember him by. It was really, really special. It was a really awesome experience to be, about because, to be at because what Dr. Paz wanted more than anything in the world was he wanted his memorial to be an opportunity to preach to challenge and to encourage those of us that were lucky enough to be in that room Friday night. The funeral was far more of a worship service than it was anything else. There was even a moment where Dr. Paz had had somebody record an audio of him, kind of a last message that he wanted to tell people. You could tell it was recorded in a small room, maybe a hospital room or his bedroom with like family around, but he wanted people to hear this kind of, this last, this last request. And what the message was, was this beautiful, beautiful message about what he was kind of learning in his last days here on earth, about the love and the respect that he had for God and who God was, and just these things that were coming just on his deathbed, he was just learning about the Lord and falling more in love with him. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing to listen to, and it got me thinking. It got me thinking. 
the one thing this guy wanted to do in his last days and his last weeks and his last moments, even after he was gone with that audio tape, the one thing he wanted to do was he wanted to challenge believers. He wanted to give the church a, a marching orders for, for what we're to go do now. He wanted to challenge his sons who were, who were, like I said, were my age. He wanted to um, challenge the gathering of believers that were in the room to love well and to walk humbly with the Lord. Again, it was so special. And so surely he was asking himself a version of this question in his last days and his last hours and his last weeks. Surely he was asking a version of this question, how will they know? How will this next generation know? Now, I completely realize that, that nobody in the room, or at least I, I pray that nobody in the room is in the same situation Dr. Paz was where you're, where you're nearing death. I recognize we're not in that place. But this question, how will they know, is one that we should give the utmost respect to and that we should try to answer right now, right here today, in this moment. We should try to answer this question. How's your roommate going to know? How's your boyfriend or your girlfriend going to know? How's your brother or sister or coworkers or whoever it is, how are they going to know? It's a question that's been asked for, for thousands of years going back in the scriptures. And so um, what we're going to talk about in the scriptures tonight is one of my favorite characters. And you've heard me say, say this before. One of my favorite characters in all of scripture is a man named Joshua. And my favorite book in the Bible is the book of Joshua. So much so that I got some of it tattooed on my arm, but like I, I love this book because what the book of Joshua is, it's a story. It's a story about how God and God's people are taking names and they're, and they're kicking tail and they're, they're just conquering the promised land. They're doing everything that God says to do and thus they're winning all these battles and they're receiving their inheritance that the Lord has promised them. They've left slavery. They're done with slavery. They're moving into this time of victory and prosperity and reward, and it is awesome. Now, in the Bible, the very next chapter, the very next book over, and, the very, and chronologically the same thing, the book of Judges comes next. The book of Judges is a completely different story, a completely different tone, and a completely different generation of, uh, of followers of the Lord. Because they were met with hardships that were, that were brought about by them forgetting who God was. They forgot who God was. And so tonight we're going to read nine verses from the book of Judges. And while we're reading these verses, I want you to kind of um, recognize and highlight these, these warnings. These warnings that are for us today as well that we might not forget the Lord. So the, the verses are going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to start in Judges chapter 2, verse 6. <clears throat> When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his, of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountains of Gash. Okay, awesome. Stop right there for a second. Joshua, just like I said, he's led the people into the promised land. They're all getting their inheritance. It's like their retirement package. They're all getting their retirement packages, and they're done, and they're ready to just kind of live in this land, and things are going well. And then there's the next generation of believers, too, after Joshua, right? And the next generation, they remember, they remember what Joshua did. But then verse 10 happens. But then verse 10 happens. So we're going to keep reading. 
And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. What that sentence means is that everybody who was left after Joshua, they, they died as well. And here's the important part of this next verse. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. This is a bummer. This is an absolute bummer. God's people have been victorious for a while now. They are rocking and rolling as a people. They are, they are living in this prosperity. This is exactly what God had visioned for his people. But then the next generation is brought up not knowing the Lord. And how this happened, I'm not exactly sure, but it says that they didn't know the Lord. A generation, when you read the Bible, is about 30 years. So this is just 30 years from the time that Joshua had died. And already the people are forgetting these miracles, these amazing things that God did when he brought the, Egyptians, or brought the Israelites out of slavery from the Egyptians, the amazing things that God did in the desert, and the miraculous battles that God has been winning for the people during the book of Joshua. They've forgotten. And so we're going to read on and see what happens. The last little part of our scripture tonight, we're going to read on and see what happens when a group of believers forget God. Verse 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he gave them over to the plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. If you read a couple of verses after that, it describes the people of Israel as have had been, been in terrible distress. That is how this nation of people could be described. They were in terrible distress. Not exactly the way Joshua's life ended. Joshua's life ended with this, like, this grand victorious moment, and now this generation is struggling they're captured. They're held down by their enemies. There's two different characteristics that happened during God's to God's people during this time, and it's on the next slide right here. Number one, this generation, they forgot God. They forgot God. Whether they weren't, they weren't teaching their kids or they weren't studying or they had just gotten lazy, whatever it was, they forgot God. And number two, they were influenced instead of being the influencers. They were influenced instead of being the influencers. Now, I want this slide to stay up here for, for a couple minutes while I talk. Because what the goal of tonight is, is to answer this question, right? How will they know? But before we answer the question of how the next generation or how our generation will come to know the sweet, powerful, life-giving love of the Lord, before we get to that question, we have to ask ourselves, is this us? Is this us? Read these two characteristics again. They forgot God and they were influenced instead of being the influencers. See, God's people at this time, they had heard the stories. They had see, some had seen the miracles and the providence that God has done. They were, they were told about the miraculous ba battles and yet they forgot. And yet they forgot. Now, I know there's people in the room tonight that aren't sure about this Jesus thing. They're not sure about this God thing. If that's you tonight, tune out right now. Tune out right now. This next section is not directed to you. But to those of us in the room that have claimed to have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, those of us in the room that claim to be believers, 
maybe those of us in the room that are baptized, maybe those of us in the room who claim it on social media, if that's you in the room tonight, we have to ask ourselves, are we living in a way, are we living in a way that remembers what God has done in our life daily? Are we living that way? If we've been baptized, if we claim to know who God is, are we remembering That's question one. Question two is, are we influencing culture or are we the ones being influenced? Are we influencing culture or are we the ones being influenced? The story in Judges talks about these nations that were left behind when when, when God's people moved into the promised land, right? And so it's kind of like this melting pot, kind of like America, And so there's this melting pot of all these different nations and they believe different things and they worship different gods. And and the question becomes, uh, they, they, they start worshiping these gods that are around them instead of the one true God that they've known their whole life. They start worshiping these other gods. They start, what, what, whatever, it, whatever it is, these, these, these um, pillars or these statues or whatever it is, they started to worship those. Now we ask ourselves tonight when we're looking at this story and we're like, well, I don't pray to Buddha. I'm not, I'm not into Zen or any of that stuff. Like, that's not me. I'm not worshiping other gods. But, but we have to ask ourselves, like, are we worshiping other things? What are we really worshiping? Everything that we do tonight is going to take a little bit of introspection, a little bit of soul searching within ourselves to ask ourselves, well, like, well, like, what are we worshiping? If we looked at our bank statements, if we looked at our text messages, our social media, the things that we're talking about, the things that we're spending money on, the things that we're spending time on, then we ask ourselves, like, like what are we really worshiping? What are we really worshiping? How can we expect, I ask myself this as a, as a minister and just a guy that struggles as well, like how can we expect to lead the next generation or to change this generation if pra- from a practical standpoint we're not worshiping God ourselves? We have to make an effort to worship God, we have to make an effort to know God, and we have to make an effort to make him known. John Piper, a very um, famous preacher in this country, he says this, When the knowledge of God is preserved in a community, especially by those who have personally experienced God's power, that's a lot of us in the room, faith is nourished. So, to this Aggies for Christ community on April 5th, 2017, if we claim to be the ones that have experienced God's power, then the question is, is is that coming out in the community around us? Is that what's being produced in the community around us? There's a heavy, heavy truth on this next slide that we're going to look at that says, not to take a stand is to take a stand. Read it again. Not to take a stand is to take a stand. You see, this life as a disciple, there's no middle ground. There's no fence riding in this life of following Jesus. Now, this sounds like a heavy thing. This sounds like a burden. And it sounds like a sermon where you're just like, oh, man, Matt's up here just, just trashing the way I do social media, trashing the things I spend my money on. Like, this is just a heavy sermon. Like, no, no, no. It's the, it's the exact opposite, actually. Because remember what I was telling you about, about the book of Joshua? This is when God's people wholly followed the Lord. Holy followed the Lord. And what happens? They're victorious. They take over the promised land. They're living in prosperity. They get their inheritance. Holy following the Lord is a very good thing. It's not a burden. 
And then we go 20 pages over in the Bible to the book of Judges, and we look at what happened when people are riding the fence. See what happens when people are playing in the middle. They're in captivity. They're under the thumb of their enemies. They're in terrible distress. I'll say it again and I'll say it a thousand times. If there was a better way to live this life than wholly following the Lord, I would denounce my Christianity right now and I would go do that, but I don't think there is. And that's not just from my personal experience. Now, my personal experience is the story of the prodigal, somebody who grew up in the church, walked away from God, and came back to him because he made sense. That is my story too. But look at the, look at the Old Testament. Look at the scriptures. Look what thousands of years of world history says. It says this is the best way to do things. It says that this is the best way to do things. History tells us that. The scriptures tell us that. Watching older believers in your life will tell you that. Watching Dr. Paz's life told me that. This is the best way. This is the best way. Our time tonight started with this question that's on top of your paper. How will they know? How will the people around us, how will our generation or the next generation, how will they come to know and come to love the Lord? And so if you look at that piece of paper, on the the left-hand side of the sheet, there's a statement there that says, how I will continue to know God. How I will, or it's a question, how will I continue to know God? And the second half says, how will I make God known? How will I make God known? Now, usually at AFC, when we do challenges like this, we'll start passing out pins and we'll turn up the lights and maybe we'll put on some super spiritual background music and have you guys nail them to the cross. Like we've done that before, but tonight's different. We're not doing that right now. I don't expect you to write a thing tonight. I'd really like if you took these home. I'd like if it sat on the dashboard of your truck. I'd like if it went in your Bible or in your prayer journal. I, like if we, I would like if we dwelled on these two statements for, for maybe the next couple days, the next couple weeks, maybe a month or so for some of us in the room. The first question is, how will I, how will I know God? Personally, how will I continue to grow in my knowledge and love for the Lord? In my studying of the scriptures, in my time spent in prayer, in the books that I'm reading on a personal level. And that's to answer the, the first part of what happens to God's people is that so we won't forget. So we won't forget who God is. The second question on that sheet, the second statement says, how am I going to make him known? How am I going to make God known? Now I pray that you dwell on this question just as hard. And selfishly what my prayer has been for the past couple days is that after we dwell on these for the next couple weeks, like 50, 60, maybe 75 of you guys come up to me and say, Matt, the way I want to continue to make God known is to partner with AFC. I hope I have 75 future student leaders in this room right now who just dwell on this and this is their calling for the movement at AFC to move forward. I, I wish that's what it was. But if that's not it, if it's something else, if it's music, serve the Lord with your music. If it's working with kids, serve the Lord in the children's ministry. If it's going on a mission trip, serve the Lord in another country. There are hundreds of thousands of ways to make God known in this world. We just have to ask ourselves what role in history in this Jesus-loving generation, with the story of Jesus continuing on till now, what role are we going to claim for ourselves?
what role are we going to claim for ourselves? Zeke, you can go ahead and start coming back up here, man. Speaking of Jesus, I know we talked about the Old Testament a lot tonight, but, um, but I want to close tonight with some words from, from Jesus. See, everything we talked about tonight requires introspection, which means requires like seeking within ourselves, like some of these deep, dark places of our heart. And so maybe for the next couple of days, these are things we think about, or then, like I said, the next couple of weeks, maybe a month or so, where we dwell on these two statements. But from a practical standpoint, what helps us when we walk out of here tonight? What helps us when we walk out, when we have to go to class tomorrow morning, or we have to wake up for work tomorrow morning? What helps us with this question tomorrow morning? I think the word of Jesus in John 13 would would answer that. Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, I can't tell you personally how you're going to come to know God better. I have some really great ideas, um, some ways that I've studied, some ways I've seen other people study. But for this exact plan about how you're going to come to know the Lord better over the years, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. And as far as how you're going to make God known personally, like I said, I, I wish it would be with AFC. That was my dream. But for the exact lifelong ministry plan for your life, again, I, ha- I have no idea exactly what that's going to look like. But what I do know with my heart of hearts, what I do know with my heart of hearts is that tonight we're here serving a God who sacrificed everything for us. And that same God-man Jesus said that the way people will know we are his disciples, the way this generation and the next generation will know that we are his is by the way that we love one another. So when you walk out of here tonight, when you wake up in the morning, specifically what this is going to look like, answering this question, how will they know? I can't give you specifics. But for the sake of the world, for the sake of the people around you and for the sake of your purpose in this world, in this life, undoubtedly, the the answer to this question has to start with the way we love people. The way we love people. Will you pray with me? Dearly Father, we love you and we praise you and we're thankful for the story of the judges. We're thankful that even though that was a rough time and in the history of your people that, um, that you saved them time and time again. And we're thankful that we can learn from them. We're thankful that we can learn from the victory of Joshua and we can learn from the warnings to not forget you and that we can learn from the warnings to not be influenced by the people or the gods or the things around us. God, most of all, we're thankful for that cross. And as a generation of young adult believers in this room, like, I, I, I just know we want to find our place in history. So God, I pray that you make that evident to every single person in this room, that they will come to know you and love you better, but also that they will find their place, that they will find their place in ministry, that they will find their place in making you known to the nations, be that overseas or be that across the street on campus, wherever it is, God, I pray that tonight that this would be a generation that finds you. 
God, most of all, we're thankful for what your son did on the cross. We're thankful for that sacrifice for every single person in this room. It's in his name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a couple more songs. If anybody needs to pray with